Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's Alex Crook as Manchester City attempt to steal the title live on TalkSport. Foden making his way forward. There's plenty of support. De Bruyne back towards Foden again. Left-hand side of the penalty. Worked it across. It's Maurice! And Manchester City are going to be in the Champions League final! Manchester City take on Chelsea in a dress rehearsal for the Champions League final this weekend. But Darren Lewis says... It will be two very different teams. Pep will rotate again. We'll probably see the Crystal Palace side mm. start at the weekend rather than the guys who started last night. Why would they? Why would they need to? Same for Chelsea as well. I mean, look, Chelsea still do need to cement a fourth place finish in the Premier League. Um, but I don't think it matters as much. Well, it doesn't matter as much to City. They've got the title done and dusted now. In any one of those games, they'll do it. So I think we'll see the B team at the weekend. Plus, why N'Golo Conte's performance in the Champions League semi-finals is even more impressive. Will Leicester hang on and finding meaning in all the meaningless fixtures? All on the ultimate preview of the weekend's footballing action. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. And a big hello to Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. Shall we start with the Champions League? And um, what does an all-English final say about the strength of the Premier League then, Darren? It says that we are right now, um, as a league, a level above any other in Europe. I mean, I'm always quite weary of starting with that kind of triumphalist stuff. But you have to say that the level of our players... and. I say that in the context of very often over the years, over the last, what, 20, 25 years, we've looked over the fence, casting envious glances at the French, the Germans, the Spanish, and why they are able to develop young talent, attract quality players. But now we have that in this country. And I have to say, although I'm a li- I tend not to like all English European finals, but this one does showcase our talents really well. Yeah, um, look, I, I, we're not really, it's not English football, is it? I mean, I'm pleased for English football, but it's not English football. It's, it's, the Premier League now has become the international league. It's almost like the NFL of the football world. Um, so I don't think it's a surprise that this has happened this time around, especially in the circumstances that we've that we've had with the resources that Premier League clubs have gotten. Well, I think even with the idea of the ESL popping up its head shows just how envious everybody else is about the Premier League. But I'm just pleased, really, that I think it will stop Alex Crook saying it's not a very good league now for a little while, um, with the breadth of European dominance stretching its tentacles into the Europa League as well. 
Yeah, and obviously it's the second time in three years that we've had an all-English final. But I'm interested, you mentioned the Super League there and obviously you you accused me of reversing and and backtracking. I remember (laughs) you, very irate, the morning after uh, we recorded the pod, the morning after the Super League was no more and you were saying, oh, I hope Chelsea and Man City... uh, Sorry, thrown out. I hope Chelsea... I hope Chelsea get thrown out. I hope they miss out on the top four. Lindsay. We come on this morning and, and, you, and you're playing madness. You're, you're playing, we're going to make it a blue day. So I think, Lucy, if we've got some beeping noises, they should be directed in Sam's direction today and not mine. Uh, him out. Uh, I did. I did say. I did say. I, I like. I'd like the idea of West Ham and um, uh, Leicester getting into the top four. That is absolutely true. I don't think. And, and yeah, look, you know, at the time, uh, I was quite emotional about it. But um, ultimately, um, you know, what I was really pleased about this week is that Chelsea were the first club to say that they would let uh, fans go to board meetings. Uh, we'll get onto that a little bit later on. There's a big development in that uh, Tottenham as well and at Liverpool this week too. So we will talk about that as well going forward. Um, look, I thought City were fabulous in their game on Tuesday night, like literally the best I've seen for years in terms of game management, tactical planning, execution, relentless in the press. PSG couldn't get out of their own box at one stage. I thought Chelsea were very good over their two legs as well. Seriously, much, much better than Real Madrid. Madrid looked old and out of shape. But you know, it was torture. It was absolute hell. Chelsea had more shots than a student on Freshers' Week, but they just couldn't seal the deal. Um, they they won't get away with that in the final, but I suppose that that is for another day. I thought Chelsea excellent. Um, I was really impressed with them against Fulham on Saturday because of what you said, their game management, and really they took that on to a new level against Real Madrid. Obviously, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but... I wasn't ever sat uncomfortably. I didn't think there was ever any doubt they were going to win that game. All right, they missed a lot of chances and you always fear in the back of your mind, I'm sure as a supporter, they may come back to haunt you, but they were comfortably um, ahead of Real Madrid in terms of quality. And I guess it begs the other question now, and again, Sam, you were very disappointed with your club when they unceremoniously fired a hero in Frank Lampard. I think they were ninth in the Premier League at that stage. Now they're in an FA Cup final. They're in a Champions League final. They will finish in the top four. So has that decision to get rid of an icon in Lampard been fully vindicated? I think we'll talk about that in the next section of the programme because they're challenging Manchester City in the Champions League final. I suppose the question is if Tuchel had been in charge all season, would they, some people will ask, would they have been challenging uh, Manchester City for the, the Premier League as well? I think the answer to that, we're on it, so I might as well say it. I think the answer is that's really unfair on Frank Lampard because if you go back uh, to the first half of the season, Chelsea didn't have Havertz. He was out with COVID and really struggled to settle into the team. Ziyech was injured. Pulisic was injured. And Golo Conte didn't play didn't didn't play at all pretty much under Frank Lampard for the 18 months two years that he was in charge um and last night i thought angolo conte was absolutely sensational he made the goal with his excellent pressing and interception high up the field for the uh the first chelsea goal and darren i think it's worth pointing out this is a guy fasting for ramadan playing in a champions league semi final and playing as if he's got two hearts. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm really glad that you mentioned the fasting, fasting for Ramadan aspect of this because I think the cultural um, influences and pressures that players are under during this period, I think often have gone unnoticed 
but physically his work rate his commitment his desire everything are just off the charts and people were highlighting that when he was winning the Premier League title for Chelsea there had been some suggestion that maybe he was past his best and what we now know is that other clubs tried to sign him and Antonio Conte didn't want to sell him. The club didn't want to sell him. They rejected big money offers for him and other approaches from big teams. And this is the reward. Kante's got so much more in his locker, but he has already shown himself to be the leading holding midfielder with far more to his game in the world. What it does mean is that on Saturday at 5.30, when Chelsea go to the Etihad Stadium to take on Manchester City, not only do we have a title clincher, but we also have a dress rehearsal all rolled into one. Blue will be the colour in Istanbul. Will it be royal blue? Will it be light blue? An all-English Champions League final. The Premier League is the nicest one. It's one of the I'm proud the most. Well, you can order the champagne. It's not long now. Manchester City need one win to claim the title. Of course, you want to win as quick as possible, I think. That would be great. Torres, edge of the area, strokes it towards the far corner and scores. And the runaway leaders are out on their own again. Havertz has rolled it into the bottom corner. And Kai Havertz is at the double for Chelsea. I want us to be fully on, to give our very best and, and not hold back one percentage. Manchester City floundered in front of goal. It's Chelsea who go through to the FA Cup final. We're seeing the best two teams right now. I think probably the best two teams in Europe on current form. We will arrive uh, with self-confidence and with a positive uh, energy. Now we can see we have just one step. Manchester City need just two more points to clinch the title and a win against Chelsea at the Etihad on Saturday in the 5.30 kickoff will wrap things up. Should they draw or lose, they could still win it this weekend if United do not better their result at Aston Villa on Sunday. Uh, but this is no way, this is absolutely no way going to be a dress rehearsal, not a full dress rehearsal, uh, with all the principles involved, is it, Darren? Because I don't think half of those players who played in midweek for Chelsea and for for Manchester City could go again this weekend? No, I don't think so. The emotional intensity as much as the physical intensity of the match will mean that Pep will rotate again. We'll probably see the Crystal Palace side Mm. start at the weekend rather than the guys who started last night. Why would they? Why would they need to? Same for Chelsea as well. I mean, look, Chelsea still do need to cement a fourth at least placed finish in the Premier League. Uh, They can't and and I don't think they will bank on the fact that they're going to win the Champions League. It, it, obviously, they will believe that. I think they'll look to cement a place in the top four and as such, they'll play their strongest side. Um, but I don't think it matters as much. Well, it doesn't matter as much to City. They've got the title done and dusted now um, and they can win it in any one. Is it three remaining games now? Four. They can win it in any one of the three, four, 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 four. right. In any one of those games, they'll do it. So I think we'll see the B team at the weekend. Um, yeah, so the B team, Sergio Aguero, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Rodri, 
the most expensive fullback in the world, Cancelo, Laporte, Ake, Torres. Not a bad B team. It was the sort and of team. Sterling. And Sterling. Sterling, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. The team that came up against Crystal Palace um, took a while to warm up. Um, look, Chelsea's run of fixtures, you mentioned it, is level four dangerous, isn't it? Manchester City, Arsenal on Wednesday, Leicester in the cup final next Saturday. And then the following Tuesday in the league, uh, they take on Villa on the final day and then Champions League final. Six huge games, 21 days. And this is the story now for them. They have to concentrate on the race for the top four. The Champions League final has to be put to one side. Uh, And we will get to West Ham and Leicester and Tottenham in just a second. But I actually think Chelsea's top four position is, is precarious because of the level of fixtures they've got. Which could be a concern for the other teams trying to get in the top four because we do have this situation in play now. If Chelsea win the Champions League and don't qualify for the top four, Arsenal win the Europa League and obviously aren't going to qualify for the top four, then one of those Champions League places will go. It will only be the top three. Can you imagine if West Ham managed to finish fourth ahead of Chelsea and miss out on the Champions League? That would be an absolute sucker punch. Um, I think obviously it's difficult with so many games in such a short period of time, but looking at uh, Thomas Tuchel's programme notes, speaking to him after the game on Saturday, seeing the way that the Chelsea players were impressively able to box off this prospect of Real Madrid, I think he is the coach that can keep them focused on each individual job in hand. They're chasing a triple, aren't they? The FA Cup, the Champions League, and this place in the top four. Yeah, I think they'll do it. Well, if they do do it, it's an absolutely sensational second half of the season for Chelsea and would um, underscore that Marina Granitskaya and um, Bruce Buck and Roman Abramovich uh, made the right call at the end of the season if they wanted short-term success because that is that, that that is the mark of it. But that's what they demand. So ultimately, once they made the decision that they were going to go for short-term de- success, then this is what he had to deliver. Uh, yeah, can I just add to that? Because we grow up in football, don't we, with these um, established ideas that because when we came into the game, we heard people parroting them. We believed them to be true. You know, loyalty is everything in football. You don't have any success if you keep changing your manager. That's not true. If you look at clubs like Real Madrid, they, they, they have success precisely because they change their manager and they don't wait. And it's all the more reason why people look at somebody like Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. I remember Adrian Durham saying Roman Abramovich would have sacked him five times over because you have high standards. And if you fall below those standards at the biggest clubs, you're gone. And that's the reason why for all the stick that Marina Sky, Roman Bramovich, all the people involved in that decision-making took over Frank Lampard. We love Frank Lampard. We, he was a terrific player. He conducts himself so well. He's a footballing ambassador. But in the job, Tuchel has come in and, you know, given, I bet PSG must be gutted. They let him go as, along with Thiago Silva, but that's another story. As far as Lampard is concerned, Thiago has come in and done the job that he was not able to do. That's not a criticism of him because he's done brilliant things at the club, brought through those players, might, might not even have been in the squad. Exactly. Manager. So we have to give Lampard his due. Yep. But all I'm saying is that in relation to this idea that loyalty is everything... It's just not true. And I think we are seeing examples of that. I think tactically, they, they're they now built on this sound ethos of controlled possession, shrewd attacks, and, and they, they can deal with the ball in transition. They can get back and defend a lot better because they don't commit as many numbers forward. That might have 
resulted in less goals being scored for Chelsea. But they're so much more sturdy at the back as a result of that. Something that they really had a problem with uh, in the first half of the season. Let's talk a little bit about Manchester City because they're going to be champions. I don't know how long it's going to take, whether it's this weekend or next week or whenever, but they are going to be champions. And what sort of champions have they been? Obviously, they've been fantastic champions, especially given the start they made, the worst ever start uh, from a Pep Guardiola side, the, the way they've bounced back from that. And you've been a big advocate of it. Defence wins titles, to, to quote the NFL commentators. And that's certainly been the, the basis of their success as well, because obviously they've had problems in the attacking areas. Aguero hasn't been fit. Gabriel Jesus, for me, uh, isn't... Uh, Manchester City calibre to play week in week out Raheem Sterling said a really disappointing by his high standards so they've had they've had to adapt to the season has gone on they've had to adapt to circumstances as well with this truncated fixture list games every two or three days I think inevitably that has taken away a bit of the intensity that Guardiola likes his teams to play with but they've still found a way to win in all competitions so credit to them for that I guess the concern if you're Manchester City if they win the title this weekend is maintaining momentum to take into the Champions League final because they're effectively going to be playing three dead rubbers. He will rest players to try and keep them in the best possible physical shape for Istanbul. But does that mean there's a danger they might go into that final undercooked as opposed to Chelsea who have to win every game they play? Well, Chelsea have won away at Liverpool, Tottenham, West Ham and Atletico Madrid avoided defeat at Real Madrid under Thomas Tuchel. Can they continue that this Saturday evening live on TalkSport when they go to Manchester City? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. West Ham against Everton is Sunday at 4.30 and the fact that this is on a Sunday at 4.30 should give you some indication as to the magnitude of the game. Both these two teams are hoping that they can start booking their travel plans for a European adventure next season. Uh, West Ham harbour hopes of reaching the top four, if not the Europa League. Um, Of course, fourth is Champions League, hopefully. Uh, Fifth and sixth are Europa League. Seventh is Europa Conference League, which we are yet to find out 
much about. Um, uh, but Everton have lost just one of their last 12 away games, haven't they? Um, what, what do we expect from this match, Darren? I think West Ham are going to win. They're more disciplined. They're more organised. <clears throat> they're more confident. They're better in front of goal. And Everton are shorn of confidence. They've got individuals who can provide moments of quality, but defensively they lack organisation and I expect Ancelotti to go and sort that out in the summer. Um, they've uh, got Dominic Calvert-Lewin back and scoring Crook and they have actually kept clean sheets in four of their last five away matches. Yeah, and I would expect Calvert-Lewin to, to have a decent end to the season now because, of course, he's got that aim, which is a place in the in the European Championship squad. But I do agree with Darren. If, if I was going to lay down £10 of my money, it would be on West Ham. I thought they were excellent against Burnley on Monday night. They could have won four or five. They created so many chances. I know it was a frustration to David Moyes. They didn't take those chances. But I really like watching West Ham play. Um, yeah. And I think, as a neutral, I think most of us w- would be in, in agreement. And... I think Everton have been flat. I think they've been disappointing. Yes, their away form's very good. But I think with a manager like Carlo Ancelotti, with the investment that's been put into that squad, their owners would have expected them to be nearer the top four than they are. They would have expected them to be in West Ham's position. It just hasn't happened for them because they haven't been able to produce on a consistent enough basis. I think it'll be a low-scoring game, though. I don't, I'm not expecting a 3-3 here, are you? I don't know with West Ham, to be honest, because I think they are organised, but they're not as defensively watertight in recent weeks as they had been earlier in the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a 3-2, to be honest. I, I could see goals. Right, okay. Well, that's interesting. We'll see. At 4.30 on Sunday, certainly the TV companies will be hoping that that is uh, the case. Friday night at 8 o'clock, another top four contender in Leicester City uh, take on Newcastle. So it means that Chelsea and West Ham will be in full possession of all the facts by the time that they get their games underway over the weekend. Uh, Newcastle well beaten by uh, Arsenal. Can they cause the Foxes any issues? Really poor against Arsenal, Newcastle. Um, I expected a lot more with, with Callum Wilson back in the team, but having watched Callum Wilson at Bournemouth, I know when he comes back from injuries, he takes a few weeks to to get up to format sharpness, and clearly he's not there yet. Also, you've got that well, thing it? of like Newcastle have got to the, the point where they're almost safe. They've basically yeah. done the job. They know that they're, they're not going to get relegated now, so they take their... Their, their foot off the gas just a little bit and all of a sudden that exposes all the frailties that we saw for most of the season. Yeah, so Leicester on that basis should have more desire but they're going to have to up it as well. I thought they were underwhelming against the 10 men of Southampton. I think we're both shocked by the way on the subjects of that game that Yannick Vestergaard's red card has indeed um, been overturned. No doubt we'll come on to that but yeah, I would expect Leicester if they can get back to their high standards to, to win this game and to strengthen their grip on the top four. Um, Leicester's fixtures aren't very appealing, Darren. So winning this one is imperative, isn't it? Because they don't want to be dragged into a fight to stay in the top four. And that's still possible because they've got a game against Manchester United, a game against Chelsea and a game against Tottenham after this. I mean, those three games, I mean, they conceivably could walk away with no points from those three games. Uh, The last thing they want to do actually is to lose points in this match, then drop points against United and Chelsea and then face almost a playoff with Tottenham Hotspur on the final day of the season. You're absolutely right. West Ham at the moment, they're not showing any signs of stopping. Chelsea, as we know, defensively strong. They can score goals. Havertz now coming into a really nice vein of form. And Man United are only four points ahead of Leicester. So Man United won't want anyone behind them 
admittedly they've got a game in hand, but they wouldn't want anyone behind them to ha- kind of believe that they can catch them. I think Leicester, they might have a bit of a problem if they can't at least get a bit of a cushion. Largely because those three teams that you said they're going to play, Spurs are scoring goals and playing with a bit of freedom. I think in their heads they know that they can't get top four. And he's playing all the attacking plays. Deli Alley's now in the side as well. Bale is finding his feet. Again, Leicester got a problem if they can't get at least three more points, maybe six in the last uh, four games. Who's your top four then at the end of the season, Crook? United will finish second to City. I think Leicester will have enough and I think Chelsea. Yeah, I, I won't deviate from, from those four. I, I would like it to be West Ham. I think Liverpool have got an awful lot to do now. Darren? United second. I think Chelsea third. And I think it's going to be between Leicester and West Ham for fourth. Yeah. I, I, I think it'll be City, obviously. I think it'll be... United and I think it's going to be so tight between Chelsea Tottenham West Ham and Leicester I think it's almost impossible to call I think Leicester will drop some points um, and I think that, I think it's I think it's dangerous for them because the FA Cup final will just suck so much emotional energy out of them and then they've got to play Chelsea again three days later you you yeah, left I Liverpool mean, off off your list. Are you discounting them? I think they have yeah. to win every game, Liverpool. Um, I, 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 I mean, we'll get to Liverpool in just a second. But in fact, you know what? Let's look at their game against Southampton on Saturday night. The battleground for the right to reign supreme. Reach out of Spain. Well, you can order the champagne. It's not long now. Manchester City need one win to claim the title. No. We can see we have just one step. Of course, you want to win as quick as possible, I think. That would be great. Havertz has rolled it into the bottom corner and Kai Havertz is at the double for Chelsea. I want us to be fully on to give our very best. Rafina and Leeds are 3-0 in front. Kane finishes with his right foot and Tottenham lead. This season isn't finished for this football club and that needs to mean a mentality for the group. What has happened to Liverpool at Anfield? Their stronghold is suddenly their weakest suit. Without winning football games, we will not end up in any kind of European competition. Lovely goal back from Stuart Armstrong for Southampton. This is game day. This is talk sport. Yeah, Liverpool have got the best run-in of any of the top four challengers, but they're seven points behind Chelsea going into this weekend. Yes, they have a game in hand, but that game in hand is away at Old Trafford. Is it realistically possible, do you think, that they can sneak into the top four? They would need a lot of things to go their way. They'll need snookers. Yeah, I, I think I think they'll miss out, Liverpool. I think they've given themselves too much to do, but obviously Darren will tell us that just challenging for the top four after the season that they've had is, is a minor miracle. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens at Anfield in the summer. Obviously, Van Dijk will, will be coming back, but I think there is an issue when it comes to Mohamed Salah and, and Sadio Mane, that relationship I think has totally broken down. It wouldn't surprise me if one of those was to leave the club. Obviously, Salah has, has flirted with Real Madrid. There will be clubs in for Mane as well. And I think they need a number nine. You know, I think Firmino has been a bit exposed this season when things haven't been going as well and he hasn't been able to contribute and, and do what a number nine playing for a team like Liverpool needs to do. Darren shaking his head. Uh, who, who doesn't need a number nine, though? Let's be completely honest. Chelsea want a number nine. Manchester City want a number nine. Manchester United want a number nine. 
Liverpool want a number nine. I mean, everybody wants a number nine. So, I mean, Harry Kane can have his pick, can't he? I said to Darren Bent on Sunday night, if you were playing now, you'd probably get a £50 million move this summer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you know, Crook, I'm willing to wager you now that Liverpool finish above Man United next season. With all of their best players back, I, and their confidence back pre-season transfer business I'll wager you now Liverpool finish above Man United next season I'll take that bet if, if that happens then the last podcast of, of next season you have to do it in a United shirt if United finish above Liverpool you, and vice I don't versa think you, I don't think you listened to what I was saying I did say you have to buy I, the winner the loser buys the other dinner oh okay, well, okay I, right, I, I'm coming that. to this dinner by the way so you have to buy all of us. And so is Lucy. So you have to buy dinner for all of us. No, no, um, that's that's better, actually. Yeah. yeah, the loser buys dinner for us all. Yeah, right? I like that. I like okay. that. Okay. I mean, uh, I just to let you know, um, we haven't sorted the contracts out for next season and both of yours has not been renewed. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> jokes. Uh... But the point being that I, I, I genuinely, I, I said it before, I stand by it, the upheaval in the Liverpool team this season. You cannot judge them as you would any normal season. If all the players were fit, COVID hadn't wreaked havoc on the squad, by all means, talk about them being terrible champions. But the problems that they've had this season, I think would be myopic in the extreme to suggest that that wasn't the case. Uh, Salah is going for the golden boots, so they can still get one big prize crook. Uh, Linked with PSG this week, he, he should really fill his boots against the Southampton team that have won just twice in their last 16 Premier League games. Yeah, but I think they'll take encouragement from that Leicester game. Going down to 10 men with only 10 minutes played, we know what happens usually when they go down to 10 men earlier in the game. They concede a bucket full of goals. They didn't do that. They took the lead and were probably a bit unlucky in the end not to win the game. So I think that will restore a little bit of confidence. I think it was interesting that they managed to to do that the other night without Danny Ings in the team, with Vestergaard having been sent off uh, with no Ryan Bertrand three players who may well not be at Southampton beyond the end of this season. I think it will be fascinating to see how much game time now that red card has been overturned as well. Those three get between now and the end of the campaign because certainly in Vestergaard's case, his agent is trying to drive him out the door and we know that Bertrand hasn't been able to agree a new contract and Ings is leaving his contract offer on the table. So again, a big summer ahead for them. Is Vestergaard secretly disappointed about the fact that his red card was overturned because now he's got to play the next three games? Uh, whereas he, I mean, I mean, he thought he we, might have played his talk, last game for Southampton. Should we talk about that red card? Because you and I, Sam, were absolutely adamant on the podcast on Sunday that it was a red card. I think Chris Foy on the they, international broadcast of the Premier League channel, uh, so a guy who was literally in the VAR room, gave a detailed explanation as to why it was definitely a red card, yeah. backed up by every pundit that was in that particular studio. Um, it's denying a goal-scoring opportunity. I don't know how. You, I don't know how they've overturned it. I mean, the only way no. I think they can overturn it is because the red card was given for denying a goal-scoring opportunity, and there is an argument yeah. that the goalkeeper is going to get there first, and therefore it isn't one. It's a really technical argument. Actually, he could have been sent off for serious foul play, but because he wasn't sent off for serious foul play that can't come into the consideration when turning over the appeal, if you get what I mean. Because actually what they're appealing is the red card that was given for denying a goal-scoring opportunity. I wonder if Southampton's previous grievances with the PGMOL have come into play here because I know there were 
talks um, after that Manchester United game that they didn't want Lee Mason involved in refereeing any of their future matches. Yeah, but uh, you can't you can't go down that road, you know. They didn't have to because he got relegated to the EFL very quickly afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> but no club, I don't believe, should be going down that road of suggesting they can pick and choose whatever official takes part. Because if you do that, then by definition, you're questioning their integrity. And I think that doesn't reflect well on them or you if you do that. So I'm not a fan of that at all. What I do think is that at the end of this season, there needs to be a serious review of some of the laws that have frustrated us as much as some of the decision-making this season, because it's been awful. And as you guys both know, the one that I really want to see thrown out of the window, set on fire first, then thrown out of the window, is this ridiculous law that says that if someone is offside, they can go through an entire phase of play, maybe run 40, 50 yards, score a goal, wheel away celebrating before the referee puts his flag up. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous law. I don't know who came up with it, throwing a ball against the wall, but it's got to go. Yeah, and it will go as soon as they introduce um, semi-automated offside decisions, which are coming for the 2022 World Cup. But I'm not sure that it will go before then, I mean, the Premier, this is a, an advisement that has been in, in place ever since we brought in VAR across the rest of the world. And it was only adopted by the Premier League this year. Um, so the Premier League had sort of decided against that. They decided against that. So we had a situation last year, uh, last season in, in European football, where English clubs would play almost to two different sets of rules. And that that was a clear problem for them as well. So um, I think uniformity is really key. So whatever they're doing in Europe, we've got to do here. Uh, but at the same time, I think there should be a real challenge to the IFAB that that is not the right thing to do. Because, look, we've seen it already. People get injured in those circumstances because challenges aren't as fierce or they people put themselves at risk and then the 50-50s aren't really 50-50s because people know that they're offside. So there, 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 is, there is danger there. Um, look, a bit of Super League news and we should go to our former Super League correspondent for this. Uh, Chelsea became the first side to grant access to board meetings from next season. An elect, elected group of supporters will sit in on board meetings from the start of next campaign. Liverpool fans met with Chief Executive Billy Hogan this week in which they asked for board representation with a golden share or veto, not just token representation on the board. Uh, while Spurs fans released a six-point plan and snubbed a chance to meet Daniel Levy because they want to meet with Joe Lewis, who is the outright owner. And um, the, the the Glazers have been doorstopped in various different places in Florida and refused to even engage with reporters about uh, the situation involving Manchester United. I think we understand uh, quite clearly that they are not willing to sell. There's almost two camps to this now, isn't there, with this gang of six? Because you've got the three clubs whose fans were very angry um, about the the three sets of fans, rather, who were very angry about their clubs trying to break away into a European league, but actually are not as unhappy about the overall ownership structure, Manchester City, Chelsea and Liverpool. So I think it will be easier um, for those three clubs to make amends with their fans. For United, it's a complete non-starter. They're not interested in, in talking to the Glazer family. They just want them out. I think that's easier said than done. Um, Tottenham, obviously, have voiced their distrust with Daniel Levy. I think he is going to struggle to win back that trust. 
Um, and the same with Arsenal and Stan Kroenke, because in the case of Arsenal and United, they were deeply unhappy with the ownership even before this European Super League. And that's why I don't think the protests are going to be quelled anytime soon. But just a, a general point, I'm hearing from UEFA over the past couple of days that the clubs that are still attaching themselves to this Super League, the two Spanish clubs, um, Juventus and AC Milan, could well face sanctions, including a ban of up to two years from UEFA competitions. I think the English clubs, by leading the charge to, to break away from the proposal and, and by being the first clubs to declare themselves out, I think they will escape serious sanctions, but I think it's going to be very interesting, particularly with Juventus and Real Madrid, because their two presidents were seen as the driving force. So this story is, this story has still got lots of strands left to run. Mr. Cheffering, Mr. Cheffering, we love you. We're coming back now. It's okay. <laughs> Please let us off. Yeah, but I think they have saved themselves, the English clubs, by coming to their senses just in the nick of time. Yeah. But in terms of the relationships with, with, with the owners of, of, of those three teams, it's it's hard to see where they go from here. But still, again, was a I'll massive gaudy mess, wasn't it? You know, ultimately it was a gaudy mess. It was it was you know it was horrible to to, to watch and to go through, and, and they've caused themselves all sorts of problems, Darren. Um, you're going up to uh, Anfield on Saturday with a flag, FSG out? <laughs> Do you know, look, I think the, the, the people who are protesting... Please don't say that they would never have done it if Virgil van Dijk wasn't injured. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, I'll make clear one thing. I get it as far as it, all of the United fans are concerned in particular... And, you know, we're all, we were all United fans in a way at the weekend because there is an arrogance about the way that the Glazers have conducted, well, just about their whole, their entire reign. And, you know, it, 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 is, it isn't just now that they've been protesting. They've been protesting for the best part of 15 years. I remember um, the anger from fans, at Sir Alex, at one point not being more vocal about it. Um and they were protesting in the good years as well as the bad years. I, I'm just uncomfortable. I've got to say, I, I was going to bite my tongue on it, but I'm uncomfortable with some of the elements of what I saw last weekend. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm someone I work on the news side of things as well as the sports side of things. So I see when things happen in our society that require, you know, the level of anger that, that I saw last weekend. Um and there are lots of people who come for you when you when you dare to suggest that there were people who crossed the line. But there were people who crossed the line. And we can't be afraid to say so. I'm glad that it has given rise, that the, the peaceful protesters have given rise to the idea that um, there could be something done to get rid of the Glazers. Exactly what, I don't know, as you say, Alex. Here's Dallas through the centre, he's going to win it, he goes past the goalkeeper and slides it in and on the counter-attack, Leeds United have scored a second goal. We want to compete and learn and, and definitely improve from these games, but of course we want wins. Rafina and Leeds are 3-0 in front. Kane finishes with his right foot and Tottenham lead and Harry Kane back in the side, back among the goal. We're not thinking, oh, it's a disappointing season. This season isn't finished for this football club. And that needs to be the mentality for the group. Comes back to Bell inside the area, left footed guys into the far post and in, and Bell equalises. We realise that it's a big game. 
And Tottenham can still achieve European football themselves if they win all their matches. And spiking Leeds on the counter-attack might just be a recipe for success, Crook. Uh, if Leeds hadn't learned how to keep the door shut as they have recently against Chelsea and Manchester United. Yeah, they've improved um, defensively, Leeds, although they were disappointing, weren't they, against Brighton without Calvin Phillips providing that shield in front of the back four. I, I think Darren's right when he says Tottenham are a dangerous animal for the rest of the season because you say they can still gate crash the top four. I think realistically that isn't going to happen. It's Europa League at best for them. But obviously Ryan Mason, whether he'll say it publicly or not, is using this as a job audition. If he wins every game between now and the end of the season, we know history tells us it's very difficult for clubs not to hire the caretaker on a full-time basis if results go that way. But obviously the, the shackles are off for Spurs. They played those front four to devastating effect against Sheffield United, all being fit and well. I'd imagine they would all play again. And, and it should be. It should be a very entertaining game because you've got two sides who, who like to play on the front foot. And again, you look at individuals, you know, Deli Alley will see this as a chance for redemption, having been snubbed by Jose Mourinho for much of the season, a chance to remind us that there is still a, a top-class player there. Harry Kane is possibly auditioning for a move away. Obviously, we know his talents, but it won't harm his cause if he can bang in the goals between now and the end of the season. Gareth Bale needs a new club because I don't think it's feasible that he'll go back into that Real Madrid team despite their problems. So there's a lot of personal interest at play here as well. So I think Tottenham could have a good end to the season. Um, yeah, Bale scored a hat-trick on Sunday. Appears to be renewed in the system of front foot football. You have to applaud Ryan Mason, don't you, for taking the handbrake off? Or do you have to just say, hold on a second, it was Sheffield United, lads. Um, at <laughs> He, he, he can't get the job full time, can he? I mean, that would be. I mean, if if Daniel Levy thought that he was under pressure now from the supporters, appointing Ryan Mason surely is going to only stoke more ire from the Tottenham fans, isn't it? Because as as much as I like Ryan Mason personally, you know, I've worked with him a lot and we get on very well. I don't think anybody at the age of twenty nine really is ready to take over a club of this size as their first ever job in football management. Nagelsmann was young. Eddie Howe was young. I Not, mean, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. In, Eddie Howe took over Bournemouth. And Nagelsmann took over. of this size are very, yeah. are, 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 are the key of this size. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I'm just... Uh, to be honest with you, I'm just being a bit contrary, to be honest with you. I, I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I do think you're absolutely right. I think it's um, a time for lovemaking. Stop it. Um, <laughs> I think um, I think Ryan Mason's in there to get everybody behind the club during an uncertain period. Who doesn't love Ryan Mason? Who's not going to get behind a team with one of the favourite sons in charge? In a way, it's a masterstroke because obviously he gets the players who weren't playing playing again, like Delhi back in the fold, like Harry Winks back in the fold, Gareth Bale. Um, it was clearly madness for him not to be playing. I think if he had been playing earlier this season, Spurs, if you look at the, the, the gap, the small gap between them and the top four players, I'm fairly certain that they would be in those top four positions given the way it's panned out this season. Mm -hmm. He's got goals, he's got assists in him, he's got a fantastic football brain and he's a winner. I mean, for goodness sake, how on earth was he not in that Tottenham team for large parts of the season? So, I can see why Mason is in charge, but going forward, I think they do need more experience. One small thing, I could see why some of the um, 
people who have decided not to come to Spurs have made that decision. Ten Hag has signed a new deal with Ajax and Brendan Rodgers has declared that he wants to stay with Leicester. They're in the Champions League. Both teams are willing to back their managers. You never quite know what you're going to get with Spurs, you have to say. Uh, managers keep coming in and being asked to overachieve with money that doesn't compare with the biggest teams in the Premier League. And yet they're charged with trying to get in amongst the biggest teams in the Champions League top four places. So I can see why other guys have decided that they want to stay where they are. Okay. It's time for Lucy. Oh, yeah. It's time for Stats Entertainment, Luce. It is. It's time for a quick look at one of the weekend's fixtures through the medium of stats. So you guys need to give me your best stat from the game between Sheffield United against Crystal Palace. And then I will determine who has the best. This is good. And uh, the top of the table at the moment? So I'm having a bit of a dilemma. (laughs) All right. Okay. This week, because the other week we did it in the car. Right. Yeah. I didn't have my notepad, did I? Okay. So I didn't note it down, so I don't actually well, know. it is available as a podcast, funnily enough, so you could go back and listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I will go back. I've just had a busy morning of it, Sam, all right, all right so okay. I will you go just back. Said you, you, you just said you'd done nothing all week. He didn't say that, Crook. Leave her alone. Are you spinning again, Crook? Unbelievable. That's three times now. Just remember, I edit this. I can make you sound very bad. <laughs> <laughs> a lot worse, you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Let's crack on. Yes. Well, I'm really looking forward to this game, said nobody ever. Um, But I do have a stat. Um, Expect lots of long-range shooting, a shoot-on-site policy from both these teams because between them, they've scored 22 goals from outside the penalty area this season. That's 11 each, and they are first and second in the table for that particular statistic. Oh, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, that suggests um, that either they've got the most accurate shooters from long range or they just run out of puff uh, by the time they get into the final third and just think, I've just got to unleash here. Possibly that one. Who's next, Luce? You can go, Sam. Go oh, OK. Well, the last time that these two met, Eberici Eze finished a slaloming solo run with a sultry strike into the corner to make it 2-0. You might remember it. Uh, Eze moved to Crystal Palace for a fee expected to reach 20 million quid. Uh, last summer. He's without doubt a star in the making. Three goals this season, under 21 appearances for England and once Hodgson's handbrake comes off, uh, you watch him go next season. You watch him go. But he wasn't always the apple of everybody's eye. In fact, he didn't get a pro contract until he was 18 years of age after he was let go by the academies of Arsenal, Fulham, Reading and Millwall. But eventually... Rangers gave him a little chance, sent him to Wickham on loan, brought him back, and in his first full season at the age of 19, he scored against Sheffield United. So, already at the age of 22, with more clubs than Justin Rose, he's scored against the Blades with two different teams. Will he do it again this weekend? Sam gets maximum points for alliteration and longevity. I didn't yeah, I think mean, you were it, ever it, going it, to stop talking. I think it, Sam turned into Wikipedia there, didn't he? No, actually, what I turned into was the slaloming solo run. Um, but I do think at the end, I sort of lacked the sultry strike of uh, Eze. What you got, Darren? Keep it brief, Darren. Well, 
I, I, this game doesn't look particularly appetising on paper and I don't think it will be at all on the pitch. Um, West Sheffield United, as we know, first team to finish as high as ninth in the Premier League and then get relegated the following season since Birmingham City in uh, 2009-10. They were ninth in that season, then they were relegated the following year. Um, and this season, Sheffield United, as we now know, they've suffered the joint earliest relegation in Premier League history with Ipswich, Derby, Huddersfield as well. Um so I think this is going to be an awful game by two poor teams. I think it will be 1-0. Why? Because Sheffield United have lost 16 Premier League games so far this season by a single goal. And that is the most one goal defeats in a single top flight campaign since Ipswich in 1985-86, who also went down by that scoreline 16 times. No, he didn't tease your advice there, Crook, did he? keeping it brief no he certainly didn't <laughs> well I wanted to follow your lead that's why Sam it was brilliant actually it was actually quite educational I quite enjoyed it there you go you see you'd be using those stats on Saturday not <laughs> <laughs> what's the results loose but I think generally they're all quite strong mm. so I'm gonna have to do it a bit more on the way people have treated me today is the scoring okay oh. so Crook you're deducted two points for each insult so you're last with one Sam, your stat was good, but you yawned during Darren's, which I thought was quite rude. <laughs> well, you've got two, and Darren with three. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> right, let's get on to the rest of the games. Aston Villa versus Manchester United is Sunday at 2.05. Villa taking on United, who have a lot of games next week. They have this one on Sunday. They play Leicester on Tuesday, then Liverpool on Thursday. That's three games in five days I think they might use a few squad players uh, does that worry you at all about where they might finish in the league four points the gap to Leicester with a game in hand Crook it worries me when it comes to picking my fantasy team this weekend because a triple game week should see me fill it with Manchester United players but who's going to play I think Harry Maguire will probably play every game because he always does so does Bruno Fernandes but there's going to have to be rotation because they're difficult games as well this is the easiest of the three but to play Leicester who are full of energy, high pressing, and then Liverpool a couple of days later. That's a really difficult balancing act for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I wasn't worried about United's place in the top four until Darren Lewis started telling me that they're only four points ahead of Leicester earlier. So it's a big week. And obviously they'll have a Europa League final to prepare for as well. So yeah, it's, it's a tricky job for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because to be honest, the squad isn't that deep. In, in terms of quality that there's certain players that have to play every game in order for United to be effective Aston Villa deserve a bit of credit don't they Darren last season they stayed up by the skin of their teeth this season they're going to finish in the top half yeah first half of the season defensively they were really good not so good in the second half and for a while they looked as though they were a one man team without Jack Grealish but Anwar El Ghazi has stepped up with eight goals in the Premier League in 23 games this season twice as many as he scored in his previous 34 appearances last season and Ollie Wilkins 13 goals so far this season as well I think they could hurt Man United, they've got nothing to lose. They can play with a bit of freedom. That's probably the most dangerous kind of team to play against. Um, United on a good away run, as we all know. They're very, very good away from home. But there is going to be a lot of pressure on them over this little period. I think United to win. Uh, Wolves against Brighton is Sunday midday. Uh, 
Graham Potter to Spurs gathered any momentum after you uh, went on Jim White's show to advocate his candidacy? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but he is someone they've, they've cast admiring glances at. Uh, my Brighton sources are telling me they're pretty relaxed about the situation, but I can see well, why he's got like a, a 25 year contract. Well, yeah, they signed him up to a new deal within months of taking over, which seemed strange at the time, but maybe it was a good bit of foresight from Tony Bloom, the owner. Listen, he's a coach who likes to play attacking football. He's a coach who clearly likes to promote youth. If you look at Tarek Lamptey, obviously they signed him from Chelsea, but he's a young player. Ben White has been a mainstay in the team this season. Now Zate as well, having come through the academy. So they will be boxes tick for, for Daniel Levy. And I think Brighton have had a good season. It isn't reflected in their league position, but their performances week in, week out have actually been of a really high standard. They've just missed too many chances. And I think a a striker at number nine uh, is definitely top of their list in keeping with a lot of clubs that we've talked about. But as for Wolves, it's been a bit of a disaster, isn't it? Certainly since Jimenez was injured. They've looked really poor at times. I think Traore is a player who's flattered to deceive, so too Pedence. Obviously, Fabio Silva got a fortuitous goal against West Brom, but he so far hasn't justified the price tag. They've tinkered with the formation defensively. I think this is a game that Brighton should see as a big opportunity to pick up three points and increase that gap between them and the relegation places. I know you two uh, are not converts to the world of XG and XP, um, but I will just tell you now that if um, Brighton had fulfilled their XG, they would be a top eight team. If they'd fulfilled an XP, their expected points total, they would be fourth in the league. Yeah. Which I think sort and, of and I said, probably adds credence to the argument. And I, you, know, listen, we, you talk to me about data and you're not entirely convinced of it, but I say to you, you know, your eyes tell you one story, you check the data to see if it matches up, and then you sort of make a decision on the base of, of that. And I suppose when you take those two things into consideration, we're absolutely right to say that Brighton are a much better team than their position in the table illustrates. Yeah, and Jim White mocked me on uh, on Wednesday when I suggested that if they had a Tammy Abraham, they could be European challengers next season. He asked what medicine cabinet I'd been taking stuff from. But Simon Jordan, for once, was actually in agreement with me. He thinks they're a really good side. And I think there's some super players in there that yep. will be on the radars of, of other clubs. White, Lewis Dunk, Basuma, Trossard's a good player. Even the goalkeeper, Sanchez. I mean, it was a gamble from Graham Potter to, to get rid of Matty Ryan, who I know you're a massive fan of, Sam. But Sanchez had a really good season between the posts. Darren, I thought that Wolves, uh, West Brom was pretty even Monday night. Wolves got a little bit lucky uh, with the goal that they scored. I actually hear that the, the mood around Fabio Silva has flipped in recent months. Um, he's sort of been lauded now for his energy. He's been used as a sub for the last sort of 13 games before uh, Monday night's game. And I think, I suppose that's what he should have been. But because of Jimenez's injury, he was used more as a frontline striker than maybe he... he, he was meant to have been at 18 years of age. Uh, so now him being a sub or an impact player that has greater weight, I think they're starting to see a little bit more from him. Um, don't expect an avalanche of goals here. Eight of Brian's last 11 away games have featured fewer than three. Uh, but what happens with Wolverhampton Wanderers next season, do you think? I think the owners will be one asking that question themselves because... Last season, they had a terrific season. Uh, this season, their form has fallen off a cliff. Obviously, they had the injury to Raul Jimenez. But there had been dodgy moments even before that. And it might well be that maybe this season is one to consolidate their mid-table at the moment. I think they're 12th in the table. Um, but the manner of some of their defeats really does alarm me. It might well be that they need a bit of a shake-up 
defensively in particular. Um, and look, they've only had one defeat in four. They've won two of those games. So it could well be that they're just trying to get to the end of the season and then regroup. But I've, I think there are, are big questions to be asked about the direction of the club this summer because they, they've got so many good players. They've got so much investment into it. I'm sure they don't just want to plod around in mid-table. I'm sure they want to have another push at a European place. To do that, they've either got to look at changes in personnel or in management. Uh, Arsenal against West Brom is 7 o'clock on Sunday. Arsenal, Sam Allardyce, trying to avoid being condemned to relegation. Just the sort of physical bruising encounter that Arteta would have wished for after a Europa League semi-final. I suppose that's a bit of an old Allardyce cliche, wasn't it? But still, I don't think Arsenal will enjoy their uh, their evening uh, taking on West Bromwich Albion, who have uh, improved, but just not fast enough. It will be interesting to see if Big Sam sticks around for next season. He wants assurances that he will be given the resources to get them back up. I suppose they'll sell Sam Johnson and Matthias Pereira. That will raise a bit of cash money, and he always seems to find value in the market. Yeah, there's talk of Sam Johnston going in uh, to Manchester United, going back to Manchester United as, as number two to Henderson with De Gea likely to part. So that's one to, to keep an eye on. Um, West Brom, uh, they obviously still believe they can do the impossible because my understanding is that the reason Manchester United-Liverpool has been changed that Thursday and not played the weekend is because West Brom refused to bring forward their fixture against Liverpool. That could just be the baggies being difficult because they're 10 points adrift of safety with only 12 points available. So they could go down this weekend. Um, I think you're right, they have improved, but those two back-to-back draws really have probably undone them now. Had they beaten Wolves on Monday night, they would have a flicker of hope. But difficult opponent for Arsenal on the back of a you know an energy-sapping Thursday night semi-final. Arsenal still looking to cement themselves in the top half. You just don't know what you're going to get, do you? 14 wins, 13 defeats. It's been such an inconsistent season in the Premier League. They're going to have to do an awful lot better next year if Arteta is to keep that job. Um, Okay, Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. We are uh, going to open our merchandise store at the end of the season, our game day podcast merchandise store. We already have now two items in that store. We have the Darren Lewis T-shirt, which uh, says on the back, um, if you circle the drain long enough and on the front, you eventually go down. Um, and then the uh, Alex Crook novelty mug, which we've uh, put in today. So anything else that you can think of, please get in touch with us on Twitter <laughs> at Sam Matterface. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, that's it from us. We're back on Monday morning when you wake up, uh, when we will know if Manchester City are title winners. Trevor Sinclair and Alex Crook will be together once again. Please rate and review the podcast and tell your friends to subscribe to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.